From the heart of the Great Prairies and the center of America, this is Interesting World, The Files, where we take a look at the otter side of the news, the stuff with more of a supernatural bend. I'm Kenny. Let's get started. Now, it was over 55 years ago, in 1967, Roger Patterson and Robert Gimlin took what will become some of the most analyzed piece of video of the history of video footage. Now, the video, of course, is of a female Bigfoot that they had been looking for. They had been hoping to record this video. And regardless of what you think about Bigfoot and this video, there is a phenomena out there that is happening to people. They're experiencing it. Now, it was first reported that these hairy hominids were in the woods. Indigenous folklores have tales of these wild men, which inspire these Bigfoot tales. And there's a lot of similarities between these encounters and poltergeist attacks. They have these odd smells, they have these dark figures, and a sense of awe if you're lucky, and rocks being tossed at you, or dishes being thrown at you, depending upon where you are and and what you did to taunt the beast. There's also no traces of evidence, actual hard evidence. Odd footprint here, handprint here, but no DNA evidence, no physical evidence. Which means the phenomenon is something other than physical. It's more supernatural than anything else. What that is, well, we just don't know yet. I'm going to start off with some lake monsters. Global News has this story, Ogopogo, or Unusually Large Bird. Cologne Couple spots something strange beneath the waves. Now, the Ogopogo is pretty much the Loch Ness Monster of the Okanagan Lake in BC. But, like Bigfoot, it has roots in Indigenous folklore. There are a number of sightings each year. And, this time, maybe a photo. I mean... It's hard to tell, but here's the story. The couple were boating when they saw something on the water. And from the story, as a boater, I was just looking to see, is this something dangerous that needs to be marked so somebody doesn't run into it like a dead head or something like that? We went by and I got thinking about it and I said, that didn't look right. We've got to go back and take a look at it again. He told Colleen to get her camera ready and turned the boat around. They managed to get the sailboat within 10 feet of the object and took a photo. We were all puzzled as to what it could possibly be, he said. You know, we kind of estimated what it wasn't in our heads and we talked about it a little bit and then we just kept on going. I mean, what else are you supposed to do at this point? You take a picture of a possible lake monster, talk about it a little bit. Uh, it kind of looks like you got two horns coming out of the water, underneath the, the water. Maybe this could be some driftwood with some moss on it possibly. But whatever it is, it is unknown, and it is a bit of a mystery. But what a perfect time of year to have a little bit of mystery. And our second story, we go to the king of the lake monsters. Yes, that's right. Loch Ness Monster himself, Nessie, has been spotted again for the sixth time this year. From Edinburgh Glive, it seems Nessie is back after a Scottish mom and daughter shared a photo of a mysterious black lump they saw appear before them as they walked on the banks of Loch Ness. The sighting has now been recorded as the sixth official sighting of the monster in 2020. The incident, which took place on October 11th and was recorded by the mum and daughter visiting the east of Scotland and took place in the evening around 5.24 p.m. This is why Nessie is the king of all egg monsters. It just keeps people intrigued enough, doesn't overdo it, doesn't underdo it, you know, just a black lump here, a black lump there, a tail here, a fin there. 
Never too much. King of the teas. Now this next story is from Live Science. Thousands of cannonball jellyfish wash ashore after swarming North Carolina's Outer Banks. Now the event happened on October 14th and from the article, the large swarm washed up along the northern edge of Ocracoke Island. One in a chain of islands that makes up the Outer Banks. The sudden influx of these squishy, stingerless blob coincides with the presence of red drum, a species of saltwater fish that currently is in the midst of spawning season. The fish's larvae also happens to be the preferred snack of the jellyfish, according to the post. Now, cannonball jellyfish are the most common type of jellyfish in the southeastern coast of the U.S. of A. And because the jellyfish rely on currents and winds to move them around, they got washed on shore. This event was dubbed the Jellyfish Jamboree. And you can see that thousands of jellyfish washing up on shore. And it's really that big of a tragedy with a cute name like the Jellyfish Jamboree. Moving on. We're going to stick with water mysteries for now. This is from the Business Insider via Yahoo News. The U.S. Navy found water that looked and smelled weird on an aircraft carrier last month and still has no idea why. Let's get into this one. Sailors on the aircraft carrier USS Abraham Lincoln first noticed on September 21st that their water they drank and bathed in had an odor and cloudy appearance. The Navy tested the water and said that the coli was not related to reports of the odor and cloudiness in the water. It said additional laboratory testing from late September indicated the water was within drinking and standards for pH, turbidity, aluminum, copper, lead, sodium, and hardiness. Following the release of the public statement, Insider questioned the Navy on why the water looked and smelled unnatural, specifically asking if there were other contaminants beyond the E. coli in the water supply. The tanks where the water was stored were inspected during maintenance, but nothing was found. But back to the article. Issues with contaminated water aboard U.S. Navy flat tops are not an isolated incident. A few days before finding issues with the water on the Abraham Lincoln, the Navy said it found what it referred to as traces of jet fuel in the aircraft carrier USS Nimitz potable water. I've heard that name before. Now you would think in this time of heightened security, in this time where there's been an illegal evasion of the Ukraine, that there would be this heightened sense of urgency in finding out why some of the most highly secure water supplies in the world are contaminated by two different substances around the same time. We have another Navy story that we'd like to dive into right now. And this one is from the Drive in the War Zone. Swarm Navy destroyer had its bridge illuminated by mysterious drones. The U.S. Navy has released a 35-page report regarding various incidents involving its ships and facilities and unidentified small and crude aircraft systems, or UASs, across the entire span of the Pacific between 2016 to 2021. Now, not all the reports are noteworthy, but this one stands out. PHM USS Paul Hamilton observed four UASs with a CPA closest point of approach approximately 200 yards off the bow port and starboard beams. The UASs had a on-station time of approximately 2 hours and 20 minutes. The first UAS was spotted by lookout at 240L, observed with a single solid white light off the port bow. At 0326L, as PHM turned to course 180T, 
A second UAS was observed flashing the bow and bridge of the PHM with what appeared to be a searchlight or photographic device. UAS closed in within 500 yards of PHM, repeatedly maneuvering aft to forward at 0330L as UAS with four white lights and a flashing red light hovered approximately 200 yards above PHM and maneuvered from aft to forward. At 0332L, another UAS hovered with no lights approximately 300 to 500 yards off the bow of PHM and once again shined the bow and bridge with what appeared to be a searchlight or photographic device. PHM proceeded east after which the UAS maneuvered to match the PHM course and speed before departing the area to PHM's port side. UAS is sighted in immediate vicinity of PHM from 0240L until 0530L. Point of origin of all UASs is unknown. UASs were observed visually with optical sighting systems and night vision goggles. Three UISs were identified visually as quadcopters. It's very reminiscent. It reminds me of a couple years ago when we were doing these stories about drone swarms flying through the Army bases and Air Force bases in the States. A lot of drones would show up, they would fly around the bases, and then they would leave within a night or so. They repeat it every so often. And the only other common thread from those stories to these stories is that when there is an investigation, there is always a U.S. Navy officer along with the rest of the people doing the investigations. Which gets me thinking that the U.S. Navy might know a little bit more than what they're willing to admit. Moving on. The debrief has this amazing account of events dubbed racetrack UAPs because of the odd circular flight path that these UAPs take. Now, pilots and crews from more than 15 commercial aircraft say they have encountered unidentified aerial phenomenon in America airspace in recent weeks. And involved in the sightings are bright luminescent aerial objects in airspace from the American Midwest to as far west as the Pacific. The debrief has learned that several of the objects were reportedly observed performing unconventional tight circular maneuvers, which pilots and others involved said defied simple explanations. One of the earliest known incidents in the recent spat of sightings occurred on August 18, 2022, and involved a Gulfstream 650 private jet flown by former Navy F-18 pilot Mark Halsey, along with the second pilot identifying himself only by his first name, Keith, while traveling between Florida and Hawaii, passing over Los Angeles, the pilots observed between four and seven luminous objects at an estimated 5,000 to 10,000 feet above them, performing odd circular maneuvers. Now, this story went gangbusters. There's YouTube videos about it, but also it was reported on the Weather Channel. So, you know the story is big and 100% true. The debrief does great work. I, I would never doubt anything they write, especially Micah Hanks. But when it's on the Weather Channel, you know the story is legit. This next story is from Sky News. Scientists discover the origin of one of the rarest meteorites to fall to Earth. The meteorite in question is the Ivana meteorite that was found in Tasmania in December of 1938. And they compared the samples from Ivana to Raigu, which was the meteorite that was sampled from Hayabusa 2 a couple years ago. The samples were returned to Earth in December 2020 
and we'll hop into the Sky News article now. After comparing it with samples from an asteroid known as Ryukyu, experts believe that the Ivana rock may have originated from the edge of the solar system. The Ivana is one of the most extremely rare. The Ivana is one of the most extremely rare meteorites known as CL, known as CL chondrites. Now, these meteorites contain the elements that were present at the formation of the solar system over four billion years ago, such as iron and carbon. In addition, these types of meteorites were also known to contain water, the most essential ingredient for life. The more we learn about meteorites, the more we find out that these things have all the ingredients for life in them. Water, in this case, but also we've heard about the billion blocks for RNA found in these meteorites. It's like their little seed packages just sent out into the universe. And we also get this glimpse into what the solar system used to be like billions of years ago. It's like old school cool, but on like galactic scale. Just awesome. Fizz.org has the next story. Secrets of Namibia's fairy circles demystified. Plants self-organize. Now, the Princeton article has a great definition. Fairy circles are strikingly regular size and spaced bare circles surrounded by grasses that occur over thousands of square kilometers in Namibia. The mechanism explaining their origin, shape, and persistence remain controversial. Now, these fairy circles have puzzled researchers for years, but the two main theories have been termites or plant-based creation. And now back to the fizz.org article. Now, researchers from University of Göttingen, betting from two exceptionally good rainfall seasons in the Namibi Desert, showed that the grasses within the fairy circles died immediately after the rainfall, but termite activity did not cause the bare patches. Sometimes you just need to wait for Mother Nature to give you the right conditions so you can solve some mysteries. So right now we're at three out of eight mysteries solved so far on this show. It's pretty good. The next story comes from space.com. Bizarre blue blobs hover in Earth's atmosphere in stunning astronaut photo. But what are they? Now, this is from NASA. So I'm going to bet they figure out what this mystery is. But let's look at it. An astronaut took some pictures from the ISS and has two unrelated bright blue lights in them. Right to the article. The first blob of light, which is visible at the bottom of the image, is a massive lightning strike somewhere in the Gulf of Thailand. Lightning strikes are typically hard to see from the ISS, as they are usually covered by clouds. But in this particular strike occurred next to a large circular gap in the top of the clouds, which caused the lightning to illuminate the surrounding wall of cloudy colandric structures, creating a striking luminous ring. The second blue blob, which can be seen in the top right of the image, is the result of warped light from the moon. The orientation of the Earth's natural satellite in relation to the ISS means the light is reflected back from the sun, passes straight through the planet's atmosphere, which transforms it into a bright blue blob with a fuzzy halo. This effect is caused by some of the moonlight scattered off tiny particles in Earth's atmosphere, according to Earth Observatory. NASA is really good at analyzing photos and identifying what's in them. They've been doing it for years. They're pros. Five stars. Beautiful pictures. Great explanations. Moving on. Now this is our second story from Live Science Tonight. Surge of fleshing bacteria infections plagues Florida following Hurricane Ian. 
When Hurricane Ian slammed into Lee County, Florida as a near Category 5 storm last month, not just widespread destruction, but also a surge of rare flesh-eating bacteria infections, state health official data shows. Now this nasty bacteria enters the human body through broken skin and causes inflammation in tissues and muscles and other organs, and this leads to tissue dying and spreading the bacteria. And now according to this article, up to 20% of the people die after contracting the virus. Again, back to the article. The type of flesh-eating bacteria behind Florida's surge of infections is called Vibrial vonificus. The salt-loving bacteria can be found in warm, brackish waters, meaning a mix of fresh water and salt water typically found in essentiaries, salt marshes, and points where rivers meet oceans, according to the CDC. Concentrations of the bacteria tend to be the highest between May and October when the water temperatures rise and the vast majority of vulnificus infections occur in this time window. Hurricanes, storm surges, and coastal flooding can raise the stakes of infections by increasing the likelihood that people come in contact with contaminated water. Before the hurricane struck, 37 cases of V. vulnificus infections have been reported for 2022 in Florida. According to Florida Department of Health data, shortly after the storm, the number shot up to 65. Most of the newly reported cases occurred in Lee County, where Ian made landfall. 11 of the 65 have died. Last year, only 34 cases of vulnificus were reported with 10 deaths, and in 2020, we saw 36 cases with only 7 deaths. Now, you think you make it through the hurricane and everything's going to be just fine and dandy, but there's all these new dangers. Fleshing viruses, animals, dehydration, too much sun, exposure. Surviving the hurricane is just the beginning. KOCO is where we'll leave it off with a less serious note. Mysterious hole in Midwest City leaves many questioning why, how it got there. Right to the article, a hole sitting just off Northeast 23rd Street caused confusion after a woman fell inside and was stuck overnight. MWC claims the hole isn't there right away since the road is also a state highway, but the Department of Transportation said it's not the city's responsibility to do the maintenance and find a solution. Now, the cause of the man-sized hole is unknown, but the Public Works Department says it would be a sinkhole. While state geologists state it could be two things, a hole caused by erosion by water or a man-made hole. And back to the story. The strange thing about the second option, he said, is the size of the hole. Typically, eroded holes are 10 to 20 feet wide and deep, whereas this hole was just 3 feet wide and 8 feet deep. It is always a good idea to watch where you're walking, not just for holes, but you need to keep your eyes open for UAPs, drones, jellyfish, and lake monsters. You don't just want to end up another log in the latest edition of 411.